Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's such a pleasure today to be here with Austin Herlihy, who is a expert in his field, and uh, he's back on the show. He's the executive vice president of Radius Group, and we're going to be talking about what the city of Santa Barbara has been discussing in recent months and looking out ahead at what some of the plans might be. Austin is an expert. He owns apartments, he sells apartments, he develops apartments, and we're going to dive right in and just sort of talk about what the city of Santa Barbara is doing in this world right now. Austin Hurley, how are you doing today? I'm good, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks a lot. I enjoy having you on the show because you are so smart on these topics and you have so much to say. So let's dive right in. City of Santa Barbara, as you may have read recently, is looking at more tenant protections. And in the context of those tenant protections, we've heard Councilwoman Kristen Snadden say that she believes that we need these packages of tenant protections as long as, uh, uh, in addition to a rent cap. And she's thrown that out there a couple of times. Um, let's kind of start there and then we'll sort of have the conversation. But there is this proposal to allow tenants uh, two years, uh, first right of refusal to return to an apartment if an owner decides to evict them for renovations. And I think you have some views on that and what that means for the property owner, the rent, the the, the person who owns the the rental apartments. What do you think of what Santa Barbara's trying to do? I think it's a slippery slope um, because I think what's going to happen is, I think you recall a couple of years ago, there was a developer or not a developer, but a property owner here in town that everyone, you know, said it was a slumlord. And um, I believe the city spent a lot of money going after this particular landlord for unsafe housing and, he was really blasted, um, you know, throughout all the media and so forth. And what I noticed was that now what the city is going to do is basically create the same situation for everybody else. Now it's going to be thousands of landlords because there's not going to be any incentive for landlords to fix units up. Um, if you're going to go in and put capital improvements into an apartment building, and you're going to want to see some sort of return for that. And I think the landlords basically are just going to not put any money in the buildings at all and wait for the tenants to move out before they can put any, you know, before they do any improvements to the building. And, and across the board, we're going to have housing that is unsafe and, um, and not suitable to what, you know, the market needs. We have a beautiful town and we should have beautiful housing. So the specific proposal is first right of refusal to return because there's been this ongoing issue where people will buy buildings. Um, I guess maybe in some cases they've owned them for a while and they decide that they want to do renovations. And so as part of that, they say, well, you're going to have to move out because we can't renovate the building if you're in it. And so the problem that is created is that where do these people go? How do they find other housing in this very uh, scarce availability market? And so there's this sense of the only reason these property owners want to do these huge renovations is so that they can kick everyone out and increase the rent. And it sounds like what you're saying is it's not 
that extreme or does that happen in some cases or talk to me a little bit about that the mindset because there's certainly a villainization of some property owners in terms of their displacement of tenants you are correct but i i kind of go back to what's created the problem and what's created the problem is i think we went 30 years maybe more without any apartments being developed in santa barbara mm -hmm. and so the same government that kept low development is the same government that's now complaining that we have a scarcity of housing mm -hmm. right and so what i read in your article last week which i thought was so ironic was you know, the first article, part of the article was Megan Harmon talking about how bad we need housing, right? Yeah. And I applaud her for that. And, but then the second part of the article is Kristen Sneddon saying that there needs to be rent control and rent caps. And she even went as far as saying that $2,400 a month should be enough for a landlord, I think was the, the quote that I read. Yeah. And that's a mixed message, right? And as somebody that has developed apartments and is getting ready to develop apartments. It's also scary because you're like, here I am about ready to invest a lot of money in this community and building apartments. And the city council is making comments like, well, this should be enough for you, right? As far as, you know, what rents you should be able to get and so forth. And I don't know, it definitely gives me a lot of pause about moving forward and, and building housing in Santa Barbara, if this is this is the way that they're going to treat people that that own real estate here. So Kristen Steden's point is, <clears throat> she said ten years ago she was a renter and she could afford something barely at that time, but now she could not afford something, and so she went through different levels of pricing for a studio, one bedroom, two bedroom, etc. And her implication was, and I mean, basically she said it was, these kind of rents should be enough money for property owners to to make their renovations. Um, it, it doesn't have to be this super, you know, high amount. You don't have to kick them out to do this. She seems to be implying that, oh, you guys make enough money. What are you trying to do here? Okay. So can you talk about the economics of that? Because people- well, I wonder what a gallon of milk was 10 years ago. Yeah. Right. I mean, what was a gallon of milk three years ago? We've just gone through the largest inflation that we've seen since 1970s, and it's across the board. Yeah. And we're also having a massive issue in the state of California with insurance. Insurance has really pulled back and it's tripled in most cases. Right. So if you have expenses that are increasing, but you have income that's capped, you know, that, that's not a good model for for housing or for investments, et cetera, right? And so that's where I see, you know, a lot of issues coming down the road. Right. And Austin, I know that you are a good person, compassionate, and you care about this community. You've been in this community forever. One of the things that the things that come up in these meetings is, um, you know, there's this displacement of families, of Latino families, working class families. And so it becomes this clash and it, the, the narrative becomes you're displacing poor working class people who will have to leave the community 
if they want to stay because they're not going to be able to afford a significant increase and where are they going to live in the meantime and so that becomes the narrative and so the the when, when people just hear the numbers side of it right there's this feeling of oh all they care about is the numbers the, the money the bottom line and so can you talk about that and and sort of I mean, obviously, you want to provide housing to, to to everyone, anyone. You need to by law, but but I mean, it's not. Are property owners wanting to displace poor people because they want to maximize their bottom line? Is it that narrative, or can you talk about that? I'm very sympathetic towards all of that. I mean, I, I you're right. I care about the community. I care about the people in the community and so forth. I think that a lot of this stuff can be tied into new development. And I think one of the things that's that's going on right now is the city's really pushing for inclusionary housing. Mm-hmm. And as a developer, you look at the inclusionary housing and it's really a it's a negative on that you have to carry for years and years and years on your property. And I think one of the best solutions would be to have some sort of in lieu fee developers to pay that maybe it's the same cost of whatever the construction is or or something along those lines but to pay the housing authority and for us to team up with the housing authority because the housing authority is incredible here in santa barbara and if you look at the housing that they're building it's beautiful housing and they're very equipped to manage the housing to qualify uh you know they're they're up to speed on all the different you know AMI and all the different things that qualify as someone for for affordable housing. And I think we would be a lot more successful in getting more housing by incentivizing developers to pay the housing authority. And that would then fund the housing authority to build more units for people. Mm-hmm. It's really it's really just a, a housing issue. We need to have more apartments. And it's funny because like the the city says, hey, you know, we really want housing. We really want housing. And as you know, we're we're trying to develop the Tri-County Produce Site. It's been a year. We still don't have entitlements. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear the city say, we want housing, it feels more political than it does, you know, actual. It, it doesn't seem like they're actually, they're, they're saying it out to everybody, we want housing. But then when it comes down to it, all the same roadblocks are in place. And I think if they were really serious and they call it a crisis, right? You hear everyone say crisis, crisis, right? When you hear crisis, right? That was like COVID. And within one meeting, they had uh, parklets on State Street and they acted on the crisis, right? But on the housing crisis, I haven't really seen them do anything. I hear a lot of talk about crisis. But I haven't seen, you know, what, what I, I, I've met with different city council members and I've suggested that, like, if someone's going to come in and build rental housing in Santa Barbara, they should let people know up front. I think it would spur a lot of housing if they said, our goal is to get you a building permit within one year. You can get entitled in a permit within one year. I think if you were able to, if the city were able to do that, I think you'd see a lot more housing coming up. And as there is more housing, guess what? Everything else starts to get cheaper. The The product that is 50 years old is going to get cheaper. Mm-hmm. And that's really the solution to 
in my mind, the solution. I don't think capping people's rents, just like I don't think capping, you know, I don't know if any of the city council members own homes, but I'm sure they do. But like, are we get next? Are we going to cap the price of homes? Like, is four hundred thousand should be enough for for your home because that's what it was ten years ago? I mean, it's mm-hmm. a it's a slippery slope for for everyone, homeowners. And then where does it stop? I mean, gasoline? Do you cap the price of gasoline? Mm-hmm. I mean, all these things are contributors to people's lives, and they're expensive, right? And I just I don't see the the rent control as as something that's a solution. Okay. Um, and that, that makes a lot of sense. Right. And, and I, one of the questions I always have, and you know, I, I do my show I'm on Jerry Roberts show and housing, housing, housing always comes up. And I just wonder, do you think about the kind of community we might have if, if uh, like with the tenant protection ordinance, you know, people being able to come back, I think within 10% of what the original rent was, um, the community, does it matter if we're a, 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 a lot of sort of tech workers, a lot of people who have a little bit higher incomes? Um, how important is it to maintain sort of that balance of the working class people? Because I know with the housing element, with all of the talk of the various sites, you know, they've broken it up into various income levels. But uh, most of the housing is either like very low, right? or market rate, and there's not enough that's for just kind of like your family that makes, you know, 100, 120 grand, 140 grand a year, this kind of like in the middle. And so, you know, what kind of a community you want to see, Austin, just sort of thinking ahead five, 10 years? um, Are we, can we still be a class of service industry professionals, as well as the tech workers, as well as the higher income? Or Santa Barbara just going to have to change because of the economics of, of the real estate and where we live. Well, first of all, I hope it doesn't change. I think mm-hmm. it's important to the community. I mean, I think you saw it when we had mudslides and when there was um, the La Conchita landslide and all these sort of things. It's really important that we have all these people within our community, mm-hmm. right? Because if we get isolated or all the, we need to be able to have a diversified community. But I really think the solution is building more housing. Okay. And what and and I feel like the anti-development people of the 80s and 90s and 2000s are really the people that cause this because you can develop in a smart way and it becomes supply and demand, right? I mean, I, I can tell you right now, I'm nervous about, you know, there, there's a lot of apartments that are entitled. I'm not convinced a lot of them are going to be built because, you know, interest rates are so high and lending is very difficult right now. But, you know, if all these apartments that are supposedly in the pipeline get built, it's going to have a massive effect on, on rents. Mm-hmm. There's going to be so much product. Right. And so that's really where I think they should be focusing their attention is getting, helping people get these buildings built maybe adjusting to where you can fund the housing authority instead of building your own inclusionary housing. I think the reason they started with inclusionary housing is they didn't want people to feel like they were going to be in the projects or something like that. And they wanted people mixed in with, with other people in the community and so forth. But the housing authority has demonstrated they're not building projects. I mean, their buildings are, are beautiful. And I think that we should really, really team up with the housing authority 
get them the resources they need, have developers, have local businesses, local nonprofits, um, really get behind them and, and, and solve the, you know, the crisis. And so just, it sounds like the answer to every one of my questions is going to be just build more housing, you know, cause that, that kind of fixes so much of the problem. Let me ask you about that is height, height limits. So right now, whenever there's a housing project for approval, it's this very like, you know, weird conversation about infill, about height. Is it near parking? Uh, where near, near, near transportation, uh, bus stops, right? It's always sort of like, how do we fit it in for the site that it's proposed for in a way that doesn't impact people who already have housing, you know, whether it's people on the Riviera, where it's, you know, people who don't really go downtown. It's always this like odd conversation instead of just, we need to build the housing. So do you think Santa Barbara should go higher? I mean, do you think that would solve this at all? Or should we still site by site? Let's figure out what works best for that site. I think you can go higher in a responsible fashion, right? So if you look at Peter Lewis's project that's being built right now, yeah. I'm driven by there on Gutierrez, but it's it's all framed up. Windows are going in. And that doesn't look to me like some monstrosity. Yeah. It actually looks like it fits. And and it's you can see it really well from the freeway. It's going to be beautiful. Uh Peter does a very nice job. And so I think you know, four stories, five stories would be okay. Certainly down on in the core downtown area, I think they could go five stories and solve a lot of housing issues and, and also help the retail down there. I mean, there, there are a lot of people down there because people don't live down there. Yeah. So you would be a proponent for the five stories. Peter Lewis is once he got it approved and once construction started, that thing went up fast, boy. I mean, I, every time I drive up there, like, wow, there's like so much more, more progress. Uh, but, you know, you have this thing that comes up with, hotel versus housing. And we've seen that with Jim Cannell. We've seen that with another developer. And, and it's sort of like, if you're going to run me through all these hoops and you're not going to give me the density that I need, then I'll just build a hotel. Can you talk a little bit about, and I guess that goes back to the mixed messages of the city, but um, what's the trade-off there? And, and should we be building hotels versus housing? That's certainly a risk. Um I'm not a hotel guy. Um, the reason I like apartments is is apartments are the lowest risk of all the different asset classes. And one thing to keep in mind is the returns are the lowest because of the risk, right? And as as your risk goes up, your your cap rates go up. And so, um, if hotels start to become more valuable than apartments from a return standpoint by quite a bit. Then and 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 keep in mind the other thing that affects someone wanting to do hotel more than apartments is all this discussion of rent control, mm-hmm. right? I mean that the, the the city the our elected officials are making it very scary for anybody to want to build apartments in this town. I can tell you by every developer I talk to, they're like this is out of control. They're going to come in and just tell me what I can charge in rents. We're the ones risking our 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 families by signing these guarantees on these loans to build this housing for what is really like a 5% return, five to 6% return, which now you can get in the bank, right? I mean, 
two years ago, you're only getting a half a percent in the bank, but today you can get 5% just in a CD, right? So people are just not going to risk, you know, building the housing. So going back to hotels, I think it's pushing people to think about hotels more than, than apartments right now, based on, you know, the rhetoric that's, that's going on in the city. And I do think that the two kind of go hand in hand. I, I get what the planning commission is saying, like, Hey, you can't build any more um, hotels until we have housing. Right. That's what yeah. I've heard. I think recently in a couple articles and while I agree with that, I, to some degree, I, I disagree also in that um, you can't just change people's zoning. If someone's zoned for a hotel or, or there's a development agreement that the city signed with a property owner, you know, like for example, the right property. I mean, I, I was involved in that, in that deal and I, and I knew Bill Wright and I, I know that he, you know, he made a deal with the city of Santa Barbara to allow Garden Street to go through the middle of his property. I and mean, I think a lot of people forget that. And mm-hmm. they they signed an agreement with him and that he could build a 250 room hotel. He even out of his own goodwill, put it in the historic landmarks commission so that it would have to be, you know, architect- architecturally sensitive to, you know, all of the different design requirements that the HLC requires. And then now there's new leadership and they just say, we don't care about our agreement that we have with you. I mean, these messages that they're sending to people aren't warm and fuzzy. It's actually very unpredictable. And so if you're going to invest money and you're going to develop something, you want a predictable environment, not a very unpredictable environment. So on that, on the rent control issue, maybe you could talk to the, the council members <laughs> directly, uh, you know, right now, you know, uh, Kristen Stedded over two meetings that I've heard her say, we need a rent cap, that these tenant protections are not going to work without a rent cap. Uh, in the past, that discussion of rent control has sort of like been four three to a no, you know, it's been very close. And so they haven't gone that direction. Um, so let's let's just like fast forward in time, right? Let's say that the council majority somehow supports a rent cap. Um, are we going to see just like a freezing of of projects like yours and others of people saying, "Why would we do this?" Or are you are they still going to do it and just say, "Well, I guess we're going to have to you know make make less money, but it's still better than not doing it." No, I think you're going to see a massive change in in people developing in the community. I think. You're going to see housing um, diminish, you know, existing housing. You're going to see, you know, poor plumbing and electrical, and people are just going to wait people out to to move out. And I, it's going to be really sad, honestly. And, and to, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that um, in the conversations, you know, some of the feedback from some of the activists is, well, these property owners should be doing this. Like, they, I mean, it's not the tenant's fault that they've neglected these changes over the years. And now all of a sudden they need to do it all at once. But shouldn't the property manager, the property owners be regularly doing maintenance so it doesn't have to come with this huge uh, renovation that leads to the eviction of tenants? I mean, can you address that? Right. So the activists, 
you know, I get it. They're activists, right? I mean, <laughs> they like to embellish everything, but a lot of times there's, there's things, there's not the economics in just doing one unit at a time. If you have to replace someone's entire electrical in a building, you need to get the whole building vacant to, to replace it, right? Or all the plumbing or whatever it, it there's, there's reasons there's, it's a lot cheaper to build, to basically replace everything at one time than it is to do, you know, little steps at a, at a time. Right. So, um, you know, the activists, I think, I mean, you saw last, last time when, when they put the rent control up, but they parked in front of Alejandra Gutierrez's house and blocked her in. And I think, I don't know if you recall, but you know, she was very upset. I mean, they're, they're, they're somewhat radical um, in their approach. And it'll be interesting to see how the city council votes this time. I know last time uh, Alejandra was kind of the, the swing vote and she stood firm. And then, and Mike Jordan was anti rent control, but it sure seems now he's maybe flipped to the other side. So I think it, as politicians, um, you know, they're politicians. Yeah, and it is an election year, Austin. So yeah. you do find uh, people willing to hear all sides during an election year, and uh, you know whether that's Mike Jordan or not, whatever. It's it's just a general statement about all politicians who tend to to know where their bread is buttered in the years when they are going to get um, up for re-election. It's like you know athletes when their contract year is up. You know, like they better have a good season because if they right. don't. You know, they're going to find themselves. Uh, yeah, you, almost, you almost wonder if there was no option for a second term, how things would, how the city would be run, right? Right, yeah. If You know, if, if you don't have a chance to get reelected. But, um, you know, a lot of those activists, because I know they're going to watch this show, uh, um, you know, they're good people, right? You know, like Frank Rodriguez, Stanley Zankoff and all that. And and yes, I, I don't know who who stood out of Alejandro Gutierrez's house. I didn't cover that. So um, I just, you know, let them know that I think that everyone on this conversation is trying to do the right thing. But when you are in different places, you know, you have different perspectives. And so it's hard to, to sort of understand um, what the other side's impact is to these things, you know, and that's just part of life, right? You know, we, we have to learn how to understand each other and relate I, I, to each other. I agree with you a hundred percent. And that's why I think there should be like, there should be some meetings that take place with actual business people, with mm -hmm. the activists, with the politicians, because what's happening now is the activists should just have the louder voice right now. And, you know, the, news cycle is in favor of the activists and that's what the politicians pay attention to but really we should come up with a solution as a community we should get rid of like national politics i mean it's i say all the time it's funny like people love to argue about biden and trump and it's like those guys really make little difference in our everyday lives the guys that make the biggest difference in our lives are our local politicians because that's where we live and people should be more engaged in, in that aspect of things. And I think as a community, the city should sit down with developers because the city don't, they don't understand what it takes to develop a property. They don't understand the financing. They don't understand the operating expenses. They don't understand all the issues that are at hand. And then the activists probably don't either. All they really do is care about 
the tenants and the people, which which I respect and appreciate. But there's there's two sides to the equation. There's the landlord and then there's the, the tenants too. And so I think what would be great is to really sit down and kind of have an open book discussion on really like, hey, look, we we all care about the community. We want, you know, nice, safe housing for people. Let's come up with the solution instead of just that. The scary thing is like what's happened is the city's given a little bit, right? The state started their rent control. Then the city, you know, went a little bit further. And then what happens next year? They try to get a little bit more. And the next year they keep trying like at, like at, at some point, you know, are they not going to stop until everyone, you know, can live here for a thousand dollars a month? I don't know. I don't know. But we need to find some solution. Right. I'm open to doing that. I'm open to, to sitting with everyone and explaining, walking them through the economics of, of what you're doing. I mean, I have six kids and my wife and I'm not going to go risk my family to go build a property that I could, by the time it's built, it makes no economic sense at all. Oh. Six kids. Wow. That's a, uh, it's, that's, We're that's playing. major, major respect right there. You know, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it, 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 we're, we're a blended family, but yeah. it's a lot of fun. And, and I guess my point is, is like, I have a lot of people to look after too. Right. And I have people that, that I'm, and I'm trying to do the right things to, you know, build housing and hold on to it for, for years and years. And that's kind of my goal is. Yeah. Maybe so, at some point. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll kind of wrap up here. Can you just talk a little bit about your Tri-County produce uh, site status of it? Um, I know I've written about it a lot, but again, um, I don't know what the latest is because it's been a while. So uh, where, where are you at? You know, how many units? I, I think they like all of a sudden didn't like the design again. It was too this, too industrial, too warehousey, and blah, blah, blah. So what's what's the status of that project? So we've been to planning commission once and they were very supportive. Um, of course, they wanted more inclusionary housing. <laughs> um, and then we've been to two architectural board review hearings and in the first hearing they didn't like and really the reason we did the industrial side of the property on the train tracks is one it kind of fits in with what what the train tracks look like but two it is a long stretch along those train tracks and so if you just built a large white building there it would just look so massive Right. And so what we did is we broke it up to where there was corrugated metal and then like gray stucco and corrugated. So it would break up all the massing. Brian, Brian Cornell is our architect and Brian is very conscious of these things. I mean, he, he has a lot of pride in, in his work and Santa Barbara and so forth. And he really thought that that was the best approach to having such a, a massive building. Right. And then the ABR said, well, you know, this is a gateway into the city. We'd like to see it Spanish. In my mind, I'm like, okay, we'll make it Spanish. And we'll, you know, it'll all be white stucco. And we go back in and they're like, but the massing's too crazy with all being white and stucco. And so, you know, it, we're, we're working through it. We're trying to make some revisions to satisfy everybody. Um, but again, you know, here we are, we're trying to build 99 apartments there. And we're hitting all these different roadblocks to getting the project 
entitled. And then once we get it entitled, it'll probably take a year to get a building permit because it's just they, the city goes round after round after round on plan checks. And they even make changes that they didn't make in their first two plan checks. And so I think another thing that they could do is limit their plan checks. They could limit their plan checks to two plan checks mm-hmm. for anything that's rental housing, right? Mm-hmm. But again, I haven't heard anybody in the city propose any of these things to you know, facilitate quicker development. Right. They all say it's a crisis, but no one's actually done anything to ensure that we get entitlements faster, to ensure that we get a building permit faster. Do, do the council members, do they call you up? I mean, you have a project for the city, but I mean, do they say, hey, I want to learn more about your world and let's do a coffee or a lunch or is really the only communication when there's a meeting and you get two minutes or whatever? No, no, nobody, nobody's called me to ask me anything. Yeah, it seems like you need some sort of like town hall forum or something where you can get like the the business people together and just like air it all out and not have it happen in 90 minutes on a Tuesday afternoon. I've actually approached all of them to sit down and walk them through the project before we went to planning commission because I wanted to just as a courtesy. And um, the only three that got back to me was Randy, uh, Mike Jordan, and Eric. Everyone else ignored it so the people that say that you know in public that they're so pro housing and crisis and whatever i reached out to megan i reached out to Kristen, i reached out to alejandro i mean nobody got back to me yeah well that's disappointing <laughs> um, hey i'll give you the last word here austin as we wrap up and you know, the, the origin of this conversation is sort of the mixed messages the council sends and you know, we want more housing, but from your perspective and the property owner's perspective, you make it very difficult to provide housing. So, um, you know, what what do you want to say to them about their their stance and their platform on this housing crisis in terms of consistency? Really, it's consistency. I mean, we, we started, you know, the podcast by talking about how, you know, they went after one property owner for unsafe housing. And then now they're passing an ordinance that is going to create unsafe, unsafe housing, right? And then on one hand, they're saying, we want more housing. And on the article just below that, they're saying, but we want rent control. So it's like, it it doesn't, it, it feels like a boat without a rudder to me. All right. Well, Austin, I appreciate your time. And um, thanks for coming on the show and sort of shining a light on these issues with your unique expertise. So appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Thank you, Josh. Take care.